0: Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network.
1: Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never really thought about tools until I bought a house in the suburbs. It's like this weird homeowner test if I need a tool for a project and don't have it. And my neighbor Ted loves to give me that look when I ask to borrow a pole saw. A year ago, I didn't even know pole saws existed. And now I got to borrow one from Ted? What is happening?
0: Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casual Key Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third party insurers. The
1: Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift the Eras tour. Presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet?
0: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This is the Decibeling Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro.
1: All right. Yes, it's that all-important time once again. You know it. It's time for the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined by my awesome friend and kick-ass co-host, Chris Sinzak. What's going on, man?
0: Not much. Happy to be back and uh, excited to cover this topic today. I know it's going to be, what's the word, divisive for Mm. a a lot of people, and we might actually come to blows this week.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if you've tuned in today to see brothers fight and argue, then you're probably also in the right place. Because <laughs> I've seen Chris Sinzak's list, and uh, it's there's some questionable stuff on there. We're going to hit all that today. We're going to be talking about all the replacement singers over the years. A lot of our favorite bands have done it, have gone through it. You know, Some of the most famous rock bands of all time have gone through it. And it's not an easy thing, any time, you know, it's always hit and miss when you have to replace the voice of the band. It's difficult because the voice of the band, the lead singer, is the front man. He's usually nine times out of ten the most recognizable member of the band, and he is such an important part of the band because his individual voice is what a lot of times sets a band apart from their peers. So when a band has to change lead singers. Nine times out of ten, it doesn't go good. Rarely, it goes really good.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because there's, I don't know, some of the going through these and for at, you know, I was first just trying to do stuff off the top of my head, and then I'm like, well, there's not really that many that are notable because I mean, like, you know, Kiss, Aerosmith, some of the biggest names really haven't had to change singers. But then when you really start driving down into this, it's like, oh wow, there's a lot, and then and then there's a lot where you think back on to when the time had happened, it's like the public's perception is going to, you know, play a hand into how some of this goes and I don't know about you but some of mine are good moves business-wise and some of them are bad but I still like them.
1: Yeah, and I found that it's a lot easier to come up with a worst list than it was <laughs> a good one because a lot more often than not this experiment fails.
0: Yeah, easily.
1: Well, before we get to all that, you know us, we're going to take care of that business and here's the first thing. Top of the hour, gonna do it right now. All the power coming our way with these sweet, sweet reviews and recommendations. You know, it's a podcast. We've been doing it for 10 years now and uh, got a lot of people that have supported this show over the years. We appreciate everyone so much. If you've been listening to the show for any amount of time, you know that one of the very best ways to help us out is by leaving a review or a recommendation. The best place to do that is iTunes or Apple Music, Facebook recommendations are always sweet and we like to get the reviews on the Chaser. That's an awesome website where you can review down to the very episode. So if you really enjoyed today's episode, you could go to Podchaser and talk just about this one. Whether you liked it or whether you didn't. But we hope you like everything and you take the time and you leave us five stars. Just like this one right here. This one is an Apple Podcast review. Comes to us from right here in the good old USA and it's called long time coming hey see this is just what I was talking about five stars goes like this came across a mention of this podcast while reading an article on the sleaze decided to check it out and have loved it ever since listen to it weekly while at work until I retired last year then I downloaded the stitcher app and listen to every episode except one that aired on April 1st.
0: (laughs) What would that be?
1: Now, I am now qualified to make a review of the Decibel Geek podcast. These guys get it. I enjoy listening with two guys who I would hang out with in high school and talk about music we love. I would recommend this podcast to anyone who enjoys hard rock and heavy metal. And when the world gets back on its feet again, I look forward to going out and supporting the bands we have all been listening to. Very cool. That comes to us from Cal VC, right here in the USA. That's an awesome Apple Podcast review.
0: Very cool. We haven't been on Sleaze Rocks in a long time. Nice to get some press for, from them. Um, but yeah, it's I'm so glad to uh, hear from longtime listeners like that. And uh, yeah, the uh, the April first episode that's infamous. <laughs> I should have left that one up, shouldn't
1: I? Yeah, why not? You know, at this point, you know, we took it down at a different time, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
0: I didn't want to burn any bridges. (laughs) Uh
1: huh. Yep, I see what you did there. Yeah, you do. But those bridges have been burnt now to the ground, ashes to ashes.
0: (laughs) Especially if you saw the live stream last Friday.
1: Yeah, if you're missing the live streams on Friday night, we do Friday Night Live on YouTube with and Ron Runyon and Decibel Geek TV. You can check us out live. We go on at 7 o'clock Central Time. You can do the time math for yourself, figure out what time that is. Just be on Facebook or on the YouTube on Decibel Geek TV. You can hang out with us live on Friday nights usually pretty uh i don't know pretty interesting because ron's got his stuff going on and you know me and chris tend to kick loose and get a little goofy on friday nights and i realized this last friday night i had a little too much to drink (laughs) got cursing a little too much only at the end to have my mom comment and i go oh i forgot my mom (laughs) listens to this sometimes
0: (laughs) what's wrong with your mother
1: so, I got to stop my cursing. I think she just loves me. So, I got to stop swearing so much.
0: I warned my mom, I was like, don't ever watch the live yeah, stream. You're going to regret it I if you do. should have told
1: her that. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> my son, what? <laughs> this is awful. I'm embarrassed.
0: <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, and you know, if you, if you don't watch the live stream normally, Rock and Ron Runyon, who's been our Decibel Geek TV producer for years, um, but been our third co host on Friday Night Live, um, go, you know, going through a very tough time, battling cancer. But kicking its ass, you know, doing for the treatments, sure. pulling off some amazing recovery. And he's already back out going to shows. Yeah, it's so, amazing. Uh, so please keep a good word and a prayer in for, for Ron and, uh, you know, let him know that, that you're thinking about him because we sure are. And uh, we're excited to uh, see him at Rockin' Pod in August.
1: I couldn't believe it. It was like one Friday he's going into surgery and the next Friday he's like, are we doing Friday Night Live? It's like, well, yeah. <laughs> if you're good to go, so are we, Iron Man. <laughs> no kidding. Awesome, I love it, I love it, I love it Everybody's having such a good time Everybody's getting excited for the summer coming up Talking about Rockin' Pod You don't know about Rockin' Pod? You probably do if you listen to this show But I'm going to take a minute, we're going to talk to you about it for just a second So everybody knows Rockin' Pod is a big old rock and roll party That goes on right here in Nashville, Tennessee You know, Music City August 6th through the 8th It's going to be amazing You can go to rockinpod.com First thing you wanna do is book yourself a hotel room so you can stay right there with everybody. I'm talking about rock stars, podcasting stars, all kinds of awesome people, fellow rock and rollers, people that love the kind of stuff we do here on Despicable Geek every week. Everybody's gonna huddle together inside the Hotel Hilton. We're gonna party all night on Friday night. We're gonna go out, we're gonna go to a club, we're gonna see the rare hair, which is our friend Tyson Leslie, he basically puts together all-star bands and has them play kick-ass songs. But you never know who's going to be up on stage and in what combination. Well, here's the kicker. On the Rock and Pod weekend, there's going to be all kinds of awesome rock stars in Nashville and they're going to be a part of this party and they're going to be up on that stage. You're going to have opportunities to see your favorite rock stars in once-of-a-lifetime performances that they would never do anywhere else. It's happened every time we've done it at Rock and Pod amazing memories are created with the rare hair sets but that's not even all for friday night because once rare hair is said and done then hitting the stage the band resist and bite awesome band led by tommy skio yep that tommy skio the one that was a rock and guitar player for tesla they're basically busting out their new band yeah i think this is their first big performance isn't it
0: i think they're doing a few warm-up shows in in the meantime they've got okay. they had offers thrown their way but uh but yeah they'll be their first appearance in nashville and i'm excited to see them
1: it'll be their first appearance in nashville it'll be their first appearance at rock and pod and odds are it's going to be your first chance to see this new band
0: well also we have ron keel playing acoustic to kick off the show and also our friends in uh, rock united greg Mangus.
1: That's right, so all kinds of cool stuff going on Friday night. So then after that, we kick on back to the hotel, we get ourselves a good night rest, we get up early in the morning, go get ourselves a little breakfast, and now it's time for the main event, Rockin' Pod. What's Rockin' Pod? It's basically your opportunity as a rock and roller to come hang out with fellow rock and rollers and metalheads celebrating the music we love. We've got all kinds of stars showing up there. They're going to meet you. They're going to greet you. They're going to shake your hand. They're going to sign autographs. They're going to answer your questions. We're all just going to basically hang out together. That's the way rock and Pod always ends up. So while you're hanging out with the rock stars, check out your favorite podcasters because if there's an awesome, top-notch rock podcast in North America, I can tell you they're going to be at Rock and Pod that weekend. So any one of your favorites, they're going to be there. Check it out at rockinpod.com. Watch these guys do what they do best create their shows live and in person. You can hang out and watch them all do it. You can hang out and see us. We're probably going to be up on stage interviewing someone, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, we will. We have to talk about that, by the way.
1: (laughs) Oh, okay, good. I look forward to this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Every year I look forward to this conversation. All right, who are we talking to this year? But yeah, so all that goes on at Rockin' Pod. Not only that, we've got all the best vendors coming to Rockin' Pie, talking about people having their wares for sale. They're not bringing the rap. They're not bringing the country. They're not bringing the smooth jazz. No, they're only busting out the rock. They're going to have albums and CDs and posters and collectible T-shirts and all kinds of cool merchandise and collectible memorabilia for you to check out. If there's something you just got to have and it's missing from your rock collection, Odds are, you're going to find it at Rockin' Pod. But no, that's not it. Rockin' Pod goes on all day long. So if you want to come hang out with the rock stars, you can do that. You want to come hang out with the podcasters, you can do that. You want to drink beer? Oh, there's going to be plenty of that going on. All our favorite people are going to be there. And... There's going to be also a session for you if you want to start a podcast. You want to learn how, you know, look at these knuckleheads. They do it every single week. It seems easy. If Aaron and Chris can do it, I can do it. Well, there's some things you need to know. And there's actually educational programs going on at Rock and Pod where you can learn to be a podcaster just like us.
0: Pretty awesome. We're working on a really cool education track. It's going to tie everything together from starting to To marketing your podcast to monetization to to promoting your own brand how to get publicist attention to get bigger name guests it's gonna cover everything that you could possibly want
1: that's so cool I love it helping out the next generation of podcasters see we're old-timers now we got to pass on the the love to the next generation and we do that so that's rockin pod I mean all day long that's happening so then when it's over man what what there's so much what's going on next after rockin pod
0: well then we've got uh there's and this is going to be a limited thing. There's going to be a movie screening after the event at a at a movie theater and um the the details for that are only going to come out through the mailing list that will go to the people that are registered podcast and ticket buyers for Rock and nice. Pot. And there's a there's only going to be like 90 seats to this and you're not going to want to miss it. So wow. if you haven't gotten your ticket and you don't, and you want to get the information for this and be clued in when they go on sale because they're going to fly out. Um, you better buy a ticket soon at Look at Click on the ticket link. That way you'll be in the know so you have a shot at going to this movie screening because it's very exclusive.
1: Nice. Limited edition. You better get on um, the case. You got to have a hotel room. You got to be a part of and Pod and have your tickets to be able to get in on that. That's cool. But there's other stuff going on too, isn't there?
0: Well, yeah, then Sunday night, we just announced it this week. There, uh, there's going to be a thing called Punchlines and Backlines. It's a. Comedy show slash music music thing. So it's like our friend Courtney Cronendulch, she runs this out in uh, L.A., but it's her, Don Jameson, and Craig Gass. They're going to do their comedy sets, but also it will feature a well-known rock musician doing stand-up comedy for the first time. That's awesome. (laughs) They're still putting it together as far as who the the special guest is going to be, but the tickets did go on sale this week. That's going to be at a place called the High Watt which is in the same building we're doing the pre-party at, which is Mercy Lounge. So nice. the ticket link for that is available now. Go to rockapod.com, click click on tickets, and you can go ahead and get your comedy show ticket because once they announce the special guest for that, those are going to fly out the door also.
1: So awesome, man. Yeah. Just a little over a month away.
0: And then I'm going to collapse.
1: Yeah, I bet you will. Me too. <laughs> I'm so excited. You know, we've all been denied it last year, so everybody's doubly excited this year rock and is where you can get all your information for that it is the rock and roll party of the summer it is rock and pod i can't wait so all that we've also got an episode to do but we also did an episode last week which was an all-time favorite one people really like a little nostalgia we went back to 1995 and went through a metal edge what a strange time in music that was
0: yeah definitely a transitional period for sure but yeah that, good feedback on that a lot of comments a lot of shares and uh let's uh tip our hat to the people that shared on facebook and retweeted on twitter with our geeks of the week this week geeks of the week this week are adam cox matt ashcraft al Horta, eric luzier darren parkin rob webb kevin williams sean cullen simon Cat, todd cunningham paul corn pantheon podcast Shay hargett joseph capone mark alden taylor mark and jerry bs sessions david glenn keith rockford the bakery podcast aaron baker Jay Shabluski, Grayson Gallegos, Mike Parnell, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Mikael Burrell, John Phillips, Steve Selepsky, Alan Black, Steve, Hakon Bergstad, Alan Deshaun, Doug Fox, JJP, Body the Soul, Kevin's on Fire, Ernesto Aguiar, Vet, Halen Eladio, JJ McElhenny, Kristen Rock Rockin' Ron Runyon, David Kathy, Scott Crouch, and as always,
1: the, the Mooger, Mooger Fo. Yeah, those are our people, our very, very favorites. They take each episode, they go out, they share it, they retweet it, and they spread the word about what we've got going on here at the Decibel Geek Podcast every week. And that's why they're Honorary Geeks of the Week. Hey, you remembered Kristen, Ron, and David Cathy this week. That's awesome. You're not going to get in
0: trouble. (laughs) I'm not because I have a template with their names already put on. (laughs) Don't bring that up.
1: Yeah, Chris got in trouble for uh, not recognizing some of the shares.
0: I think I got everybody this time, but I'm sure somebody will come back, hey, you forgot me, but yeah, i do the best I can.
1: All right, well, we appreciate everybody that does it. If you love this week's episode, get out there, share it, retweet it, and next week you will be an honorary Geek of the Week. It was mentioned in Geeks of the Week. We are a proud part of Pantheon Podcasts. If you want to hear about all the coolest rock podcasts out there, most of them are on Pantheon. So just check out Pantheon podcasts and see who they got on the roster and give everything they got a shot. You're going to find some stuff you like, guarantee it. So now, are we ready to fight?
0: <laughs> I don't know if we're going to fight, but we're going to have a we'll have a lively discussion, I'm sure.
1: At the very least. <laughs> All right. So this is a contentious thing. Whether you're a member of the band or whether you're a couple of guys trying to do a podcast about it, there's always going to be disagreements on this because everybody's got different flavors they enjoy. Everybody likes different styles. Everybody likes different things. So when it comes to two different singers for one awesome band, it makes it easy to draw the line and say, I'm this and you're that. You like him? I like the original. Oh, the new guy is way better. But here's a whole bunch of bands that we went through, and I kind of put together a list. And we're each going to pick our top five best and our top five worst. But before we get to those, let's kind of go through the list and talk about some of these other ones, because I think there's some good talking points in a lot of these and could be some arguments maybe even. So one I always think of right away, which, you know, it's double tough when you're replacing an iconic lead singer who died you know it's almost impossible to be better than the original and it doesn't matter how good you are you can be freaking awesome but you're still always going to be compared to the original guy and you're never going to measure up no matter what you do no matter how good you are I'm looking at you William Duvall and Johnny Van Zandt they're two mm-hmm. I think of right away they're just not as good as the originals but you know what are you going to do
0: yeah, and I, William Duval came up and when I you know in my research, and I was like, well, I like a few songs of that era of Alice and Chains with him, but it's yeah. just not this. It's just not the same without without Lane Staley. You know, he he does an admirable job, but it's just. I mean, how do you have Alice and Chains without Lane Staley? His voice was like probably the most popular instrument in the band.
1: Yeah, and, you know, the really, to me, it was always the combination between Lane and Jerry Cantrell and what they did together. And I think, you know, one of the reasons Jerry Cantrell picked William Duvall is because they got those harmonies really good together. But, again, you know, we're talking about Lane Staley. That guy is pretty irreplaceable. And I think if you're a guy like William Duvall, when you get that gig, you got to tell yourself right off the bat, you know, I'm never going to be considered better than lane staley all i can do is be the best me in this spot that i can right and i think like i said with johnny van zant's kind of the same thing it's his brother you know that's pretty cool at least you know it stays in the family with skinnerd but man i just don't get into the new skinner not you know you call him the new skinner but it's been so many years but, I love the old stuff. I love the original with Ronnie, and I just never maybe I need to give that more of a chance, I think maybe
0: yeah I you know, William Duvall and, and Johnny Van Zant both It's just like, yeah, they came up, but neither of them were going to make my top five either way. They're just kind of there for yeah, me. yeah
1: that's that's I think a lot of these on the list, kind of like uh Bad Company, you know, started with Paul Rogers, but it's had like Brian Howe and Doogie White, I think was in that band for a while, so there's mm-hmm. been a lot of singers after him but I just don't think anybody ever touched what Paul Rogers did being the original.
0: Well, and with that in mind, Brian Howe didn't, didn't make my top five, but he was in the, he was in the running. And because I really enjoy that era of the band, I thought they put out some very strong material and, and, and he had a voice that fit in really well with what was going on at the time. So smoke without a fire and, you know, certain, you know, holy water. some of those songs are, are amazing songs but uh yeah he didn't make my top five but he was he was in my mind for it
1: yeah that's another one i think too though but you just you can't touch the original paul rogers when you think of bad company i mean very rarely do you think at that era of the band people think of the originals yeah another one that's kind of the same as that you know heavy metal sepultura max Cavalera being the original guy better than anybody else that ever followed him i think
0: yeah it was a Derek green that replaced him yeah i think yeah. so and he did okay but yeah i don't yeah you can't it's not the same without max not but yeah the but, same. but but you know not in my top five one way or the other
1: did you ever give much thought to uh stone temple pilots with chester bennington as the singer
0: no i didn't even i forgot all about it honestly i forgot yeah. that he that he was did well did they do a record together yes oh they did yeah well, they I, did I, I do I mean, a
1: record together
0: and I know they did one with that new guy, but I didn't know... They I thought did they did.
1: No, I'm certain they did.
0: Oh, okay. No, but either way, I'd it, it doesn't...
1: I just don't think it can ever... Yeah, You know, Stone Temple Pilots, again, the front man is kind of the focal point of most bands, and so Scott Weiland was definitely that in Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. So anybody else in that spot, you know, but he's dead, so, you know, what
0: can he do? i tell you... I'll tell you what would have made my worst list would have been um, Dave. His name was Dave something, but when well, they changed their name to talk show after Scott was out of the band and they got this Dave guy and I can't remember his last name, but I hated that fucking record. I was so excited to listen to it. I'm like, oh, hmm. this is terrible. That would have been on my worst list, but it wasn't STP. So I didn't uh, pick it.
1: But it was the rest of the band with a different singer.
0: Yeah. Hmm. You don't remember the talk show album? Uh-uh. Yeah, was, the single they released was marginally good, but the rest of the album's terrible, in my opinion. Hmm.
1: Another one I put up there where you just can't touch the original no matter what you do, Guar, Nobody's ever going to replace Dave Brockie, <laughs> Odorous Urungus, and do doing it now Michael Bishop and he does an awesome job and I'm I'm so happy that Guar is still around and still going even though Dave Brockie's dead and they I don't know if they I don't think them guys are original members I think Dave Brockie was really the only one all the way through mm-hmm. but I mean it still sucks no one's ever going to be able to do what Dave Brockie did in Guar
0: i agree. Yeah, no. I, I figured you'd bring them up. Yeah.
1: Another one like that, Quiet Riot. You know, Quiet Riot's had different singers since Kevin Dubrow died. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Quiet Riot kind of is Kevin Dubrow. When you think about the biggest songs, it's Kevin Dubrow singing them. So I put Kevin Dubrow over everybody except maybe Jizzy Pearl.
0: Yeah, I put uh, – He was. Uh, that was on my also-ran list for worse. And instead of putting one name, I just put multiple Quiet Riot. Yeah.
1: Kind of the same thing with L.A. Guns. You got Phil Lewis. I think he's better than everyone else, except for maybe Jizzy Pearl.
0: (laughs) You're biased.
1: (laughs) I am a little biased now, but yeah, Kevin Dubrow and Phil Lewis, without question, you know, the faces of those bands, and 99% of the fans of those bands would probably say the same thing. Here's one I'd be interested to hear your take on, because I know you like this band, The Runaways. I always felt like Cherie Curry was really the voice, and after Joan and Lita started singing, that band kind of lost something.
0: The Runaways just don't do much for me. I mean, no. I, I like a, I like a few songs. I like the, I like their place in history because yeah. it was kind of groundbreaking. But I think I like their story more than I like their music. Yeah, and I don't know. That'll piss a few people off, but I just never thought they were all that. I think everything that they all did solo-wise, even Cherie, was better. Than what the runaways were doing, in my opinion. I
1: mean, they only had a handful of albums, but some of them deeper cuts are pretty good. They're kind of punk rock, you know, they're not really they're not a virtuoso band or anything, but they got some good hooks on some of those deeper cuts.
0: Yeah, I like the story.
1: Digging in. Yeah, it's a crazy story.
0: And you mentioned LA Guns, and on my also ran for worst, I had Chris Van Dahl.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he did not do very well with the la guns
0: well you can't really blame him completely because tracy decided he wanted to be a fucking new metal band well i mean he for
1: what he did the singer you know he came in if he if that's what he was told to be and do i mean he he wasn't bad but that that just wasn't la guns i don't care what you call it you know it's just not that band yeah how about this one britney fox dizzy dean the original singer versus tommy paris
0: I like Tommy Paris actually but um yeah I didn't mind the transition there honestly wasn't a giant fan of Dizzy Dean Davidson's voice it was just like it's like dollar store Tom Kiefer you know
1: yeah kind of yeah there was a lot of comparisons between the two of those guys I don't know I kind of like Dizzy Dean it's I don't know when I got the, I remember when I got uh, Bite Down Hard and I didn't know Dizzy Dean was out of the band when I got it that's and a good I, record and I put it on it was like Whoa, what's this? It was so different. It just I didn't like it at first. But after a while listening to it, I kinda learned to appreciate Tommy Paris and I don't know what Britney Fox is up to nowadays. According to what I've seen, they're still together, but haven't put out a new album for a long, long time.
0: Yeah, and I heard Dizzy Dean wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. He he walked away from it and, and he went into like folk music or some weird shit. I don't know. Well, like he had so that band
1: uh, Black Eyed Susan that was kind of. Yeah, rockin'. I'm talking about
0: more, recent, yeah. more recently than that. Yeah, he he went away. He went way away from the rock oh, after a okay. while. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Um. Here's a good one that is questionable because I can't really choose this one. Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Robert Fleischman being replaced by Mark Slaughter.
0: I didn't even think about that one actually. Um. I mean, I prefer Robert as far as on that material. I think Robert was better suited for the -the over-the-top sound of it. Mark was—I think Mark did a great job on All Systems Go, but um, I don't know. I mean, it was a good switch. I mean, Mark certainly had the look they were looking for, so—
1: Right, but we're talking about, you know, vocally-wise, you know, know, so I don't know. I I couldn't pick that one. I don't know, because I like them both in different ways, so I kind of made that one an equal.
0: yeah. I didn't even think, wow, that's surprising. I didn't even think of that, yeah. that as an option. Hmm.
1: You got it so far blocked out of your memory.
0: <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I've got like PTSD, that's so I blocked it, blacked it all out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, here's one that's had a few different singers, at least three that I know of, the Dead Daisies. Now They started out with John Stevens, and then eventually they moved to John Karabi, and currently, and just released an album not too long ago, they are fronted by Glenn Hughes. So any opinion on this? Because I really like all three versions of it. But like we've talked about before, when Glenn Hughes joins your band, your band isn't your band anymore. Now it's Glenn Hughes and these other guys.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: kind of the same thing with Karabi now, you know, where John Karabi joins your band and all of a sudden your band doesn't sound anything like it used to because it's, you know, John Karabi such a a presence vocally and, you know, with his songwriting contributions to any project he's a part of, it kind of becomes John Karabi. But I was a big fan of the original singer of the Dead Daisies, and I think he really kind of fit what they were doing the best instead of conforming themselves to what their singers are. I think the original version is the best.
0: I 100% 100 percent agree. And I and I've gotten flack for saying that over the years, like because I'd be like, oh it's, it's karabi. And I'm I love karabi, right. but but it just it, it becomes his band, and honestly, I thought the material was kind of hit and miss with Karabi. I mean, like some of the stuff would be really great, and then other stuff would be like, eh, "Why are they going this direction?" Yeah, like like they did the they did like a whole record in Cuba. I can't remember the name of it, but it was. I really didn't like what, where they went with that. I thought they sounded like their own band with John Stevens singing for them.
1: I agree with that. Yeah, I like yeah. that stuff.
0: Great yeah. voice on that guy too. I didn't know anything about him until they the, I heard them.
1: I wonder what he's up to now. Is he doing folk music too?
0: I don't know. I know that. I know that uh, either. I think it was after he got he left the band. I know he uh, like got busted for domestic violence. So, oh shit! Uh, I guess he's beating up on women in Australia.
1: Ah, that's no good. That's never a good uh, career choice. Yeah, not usually. How about Rainbow? Dio gets replaced yeah. by Graham Bonnet. I
0: had I had Graham Bonnet and JoLynn Turner on my also ran list for yeah. best. Yeah, because I love both of their contributions to that band.
1: I do too, but I just don't think you beat Dio in that band.
0: Uh, I mean, but yeah, look at that history. I mean, imagine that those those are like three of your singers. Those three, those are like three of the best singers ever.
1: Yeah, and that Joe Lynn Turner, man, he he could be all over this list because I mean he's replaced and stepped into situations so many times throughout his career that we every other one we mentioned could be him in a different band.
0: Well, he'll come up again later on mine, but yeah, yeah I mean, and ap- apologies to Ian Wadley, because I know you're going to give me shit for saying Graham Bonnet's a great singer.
1: Graham Bonnet is a great singer. Ian hates him. Wow, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. All right, how about Queensrÿche? The age-old battle yep. between Jeff Tate and Todd Latore.
0: I Todd Latore was on my also ran list for best because yeah. I mean, God, look, listen to what Queensrÿche was doing before Tate finally was out of the band. Oh some horrible, horrible material. And then they get Ty Latoria. And like that guy, I mean, he is a bit of a sound alike of Tate, but if you're a Queensryche fan, that's kind of what you're going for. And I actually really like the material they they've done on their their newest stuff. Uh, the verdict album's a great record.
1: Right on. See I don't really I don't know. I guess that's uh, that's another one of those bands that everybody tells me I really need to give more of a chance to, but I just didn't get into them when I was younger, so I wasn't really sure, but I wanted to bring that one up and see what you thought of it.
0: Yeah, I, I like them.
1: All right, here's a band that's had a few different singers over the years, best known with the lead vocalist Sebastian Bach was eventually replaced by johnny Solinger, who was eventually replaced by tony harnell but they never recorded nothing with him and now they got zp thirt as the lead singer but we haven't heard anything because that's gotten pushed back the new release with the new singer skid row outside of sebastian bach does anybody make the cut
0: not for me i mean i this was a bit of an afterthought i mean i thought about him prayers out to johnny Solinger going through a horrible health crisis right yeah, now. yeah it's terrible um, but uh I thought Johnny did a good job for what he was able to do, but I mean, you know as much as a Bach as a human annoys the hell out of me, I mean that he's a once in a generation vocalist man. Yeah. So I mean like good luck replacing that. It's just, and I don't blame Rachel and, and snake for for moving on without him and I don't blame him for not wanting to reunite with him because it sounds like he's a nightmare to work with, but I mean, when you look at the body of work, I mean, they're they're never going to top that original stuff. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's true. You know, that was a special, magical lining of the stars with that band. And when it all came together, it exploded and was amazing for three short albums, you know, and then it was gone. So yeah. burnt fast and burnt hard and burnt out. I mean, the stuff they did with Johnny Solinger, like they said, you know, not a lot of people were really excited about skid row without sebastian bach but they had to have somebody that could sing the sebastian bach songs plus be able to contribute to new stuff and i think johnny solinger was a perfect fit for that and those albums that skid row did with him man i really recommend them if you can listen to them with an open mind and if mm-hmm. you were a fan of skid row there's not really nothing on there that you wouldn't like and Tony Harnell really didn't get much of a chance in the band, you know. And uh, we're still waiting to hear the new one, the part three of the trilogy that's got the debut of ZP Therk from what, Dragon Force?
0: Yeah, Dragon Force. And, and, you know, an amazing singer. So, you know, it, I'm, I'm pretty anxious to hear what they're going to do with him because he can hit the soaring notes that, that Sebastian used to. Yeah. that should be interesting.
1: All right, so now the rest of these on my list. These are ones that uh, I definitely felt were bad, and I didn't, they, but they didn't quite make the cut onto my final worst list. But after Jim Morrison died, Ray Manzarek and Robbie Krieger <laughs> tried to hold it together and take over lead vocals for themselves, but that wasn't happening. You just can't replace The
0: Lizard King no i didn't uh i didn't expect that one to come up but yeah i forgot about that (laughs) yeah
1: yeah they tried to do it but not happening um another one that i always you know because i like the band sublime they kind of got that heavy reggae stuff going on it's like gangster metal reggae and then bradley knoll died you know they, they as they became popular the dude was dead before they really hit and then years later I guess from what I read, against his wishes, because like he, he was a bad druggie, and he knew he could die at any time, and he told him, you know, when I die, don't carry on the band without me because I'm the one that writes all the songs, you know. And uh, when I die, Sublime dies. And then years after he died, all of a sudden Sublime came back, but they were called Sublime with Rome, and it was just like a bad cover version of sublime you know see it was terrible and i i wanted to like it you know because i I like that old heavy reggae stuff you know sublime really did something unique there with that and found a way to do something cool and new and i always kind of dug it so i really wanted to give that a chance and it sucked hard it was really bad
0: i never even cared enough to listen to it so yeah. i don't even know what it sounded. i figured it was gonna suck though
1: yeah it sucked bad don't waste your time if you like sublime yeah it sucks if you don't like sublime Ugh, yeah, don't even go near it.
0: I'm not even really a fan.
1: Another one that's kind of similar to that is Blind Melon. You know, Blind Melon, Shannon Hoon was the lead singer. Everybody knows him for the song No Rain, which is, God, probably their worst song, but their most well-known. And uh, I w- I'm a fan of Blind Melon. I like some of their deeper cuts. They got some heavier stuff that I dig. And a few years after Shannon Hoon died, Blind Melon was back with a new singer. Kind of the same thing as Sublime, How do you, you know, you just, you can't replace that guy. You can't call it, I mean, I guess you can call it Blind Melon, but it definitely ain't. I think the dude's name was Travis Warren. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Blind Melon is still together out there somewhere playing, but, you know, when you got an iconic lead singer like that that dies, it's just kind of impossible because, I mean, that dude was the main dude in the band. That's who everybody knew. Nobody thought... Or probably knew the drummer's name or the guitar player's name, but everybody
0: knew Shannon Hoon. I do not even know they did anything without him, personally. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I was lost. I don't even remember that.
1: You ain't missing nothing, my friend. <laughs> okay. You ain't missing nothing. Uh, another one I'm on top of my list of the ones you just can't replace. I gotta put Fastway right up there. Dave King, the original singer, was awesome. And then years later, kind of had different singers doing different things, and it just didn't measure up they had that lee hart that made the band kind of poppy you know 80s poppy kind of band but when dave king was in the band fastway was a legit metal band you know real hard rock bordering metal band and he was an awesome singer and fit with that band perfectly and so yeah they nobody could ever touch dave king and fastway i don't think
0: yeah i agree with that completely yeah I def- can't replace that guy too good
1: yeah so then that's all i got for the worst well you got any i missed that before we get to the top five ones
0: yeah i've got a few that uh i don't know if you're gonna like some of these <laughs> so um let's see well actually i've got well i'm looking at because there's some that affect your list so i'm not going to mention those there's actually one that i, I wanted to and this is a bit of a cheat but i want to say that the and this should have made my list, but it's not really a human. The worst replacement singer is the D.O. hologram.
1: <laughs> yep, that's right. That's number one, unanimous.
0: Yeah. I mean if you're not gonna have a physical person on stage, I can't really vote for you.
1: That's funny. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> it of me at the course last the hologram is the worst. <laughs> Too funny. So then we got, do you want to do the, uh, do our worst, our top five worst, and then come back and do the best, or how do you want to do it?
0: Yeah, we can do the worst first. That's cool. Okay.
1: So I guess I'll go first. My top five worst replacement singers, and I even hate to do this because this isn't one that I say, oh, they suck now, because that's not even the case. But for number five for me, mm, oh, it hurts me to say it. <laughs> But I'm just going to do it. Enough's enough. I'm sorry, everybody. I love Chips Enough. He's an awesome dude. He's even a decent singer. You know, he's unique. You know, and that's what's important a lot of times in a singer in a rock band is that uniqueness. And I think it's great that the band is carrying on because these songs should still be sung. And if they're going to be sung by anybody besides Donnie V, it should be Chips Enough. And whenever Enough's Enough comes to town with Chip singing, I go to the show. Whenever a new album comes out by Enough's Enough with Chip on lead vocals, I buy the album, and I enjoy it all. I love it a lot, but I'm like every other Enough's Enough fan, and I know that Chip's Enough hears this all the time, but I would be willing to bet that Donnie V hears the same thing. As decent as these guys are each doing on their own, as far as the music they're coming out with... It's just not the same as when they work together. You know, you got Donnie V on lead vocals and Chips Enough backing them up. It's perfect when they do it together like that. And the cool thing is is they are actually working on some stuff together, which is the beauty of today's technology, that Donnie V and Chips Enough can work together and collaborate on music and never have to be in the same room. They don't even have to run the risk of killing each other throughout the process, They can just work together at a safe distance, and that's cool, I like that a lot. I like the fact that they have their reasons why they shouldn't co-mingle together, but they also realize that they're better together, and they don't have so much animosity for each other that they can't even work together. So, like I said, Donny V probably hears it all the time. Donny, man, your new music's great, I really like it a lot, but, you know, and same thing with Chip. Man, new album's great, show last night was fantastic. You look great, you're doing good. But it's just not the same as when Donnie and Chip are together. So, for me, number five, it hurts me to say it, Chip's enough. Uh,
0: well, I, it's hard to argue that. I mean, I, it, they're not the same without them. So, I mean... Yeah, they're, they're better off together. I, everything you said is spot on, so I'd be kind of echoing what you're saying. But yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, although I, it's brave of you to put that on your list, I'm surprised.
1: Well, because I love the band, you know, and yeah. I've been a fan since I can remember them ever coming into my, my consciousness. You know, I've always loved it. And so I speak with authority as a true enough Enough fan from way back in the day. You know, they just, you know, they're one of the most unsung bands of all time. Anybody that I've ever turned on to this band loves them, you know. People, I go, you know, have you ever heard of Enough's Enough Stuff? And they go, no. And you kind of got to explain how to spell it, you know, and then explain, you know, hey, don't just listen to the first songs that pop up, you know, or say listen to these specific songs. But nobody ever says, oh, that sucked, you know. People go, wow, you know, yeah, I didn't expect that, but it's really good. It's one of those bands that everybody should be able to love it and it's a damn shame that they didn't make it huge but still have given us a plethora of albums over the years and that's one of the reasons why I'm such a huge fan of this band is because even though they weren't the biggest band in the world, they still have a hell of a discography and were consistently over the years delivering new music and even though there weren't a lot of us buying it, the ones that were, were loving it.
0: All right, so for my number five, um, and I'm probably going to get some hate for this, but just because this guy is not a bad singer, he's actually an amazing singer, but he uh, got thrust in a position that uh, would be unenviable for anybody. <laughs> Imagine replacing uh, a person that is known as the Metal God, Yeah. and uh, the first album you're on is the follow-up to Painkiller, which is an absolute masterpiece and uh, I'm talking about Ripper Owens replacing Rob Halford. That's my number five. Uh, this is... I don't like these two records that he did with them, Jugulator and Demolition. Now, is that his fault? I don't know. Glenn Tipton was driving the ship at that point, and of course, without Rob Halford's voice on there, it's different. I thought Ripper did great on the, the live stuff he did with Judas Priest. Yeah. Uh, certainly, the acoustic version of Diamonds and Rust is one of the best, best versions of that song with him singing on it, but... uh yeah, I don't know. This uh I this was a this pick for me, you know, it came to mind pretty much right away because Rob Halford is a legend. Good luck replacing a legend. River did an admirable job, but I but it just I don't think replacing Rob Halford with anybody would have been a good move at that time. They probably would have been better off taking a break and waiting for Rob to get the side projects out of his system. Yeah, or,
1: you know, and this comes up a lot when we talk about these kind of situations, change the name of the band. I mean, they brought in Ripper Owens. Same thing. You know, we want to do new stuff. We want to keep moving forward with our new singer. But this guy's got to be able to rock the old stuff, because that's what everybody wants to hear when we go out and play live. I think Ripper was cushioned by the fact that the story was so cool. It's almost like a fantasy, you know? You're in a cover band, you know, of your favorite band, and you... Got their posters on your wall, and then one day you 're the lead singer of that said band you know it 's a fantasy scenario it 's something that young rockers would fantasize about, so you know I think that kind of cushions it for them. It made people kind of like them more where in a lot of these situations you 've all you 've got like instant hate because you 're not that guy you know and I think Re yeah. Rowan's is probably protected a little bit that way. But the music was way different too. Kind of, we talked about with uh, Chris Van Dahl and Tracy Guns on that LA Guns album. This was a time where Priest was really kind of getting really heavy, you know, trying to border more on, you know, really seriously heavy metal as opposed to like the hard rock that they were doing up to that point. So, you know, a name change couldn't have hurt. But then again, you know, you talk about that time, there's a lot of equity in the name Judas Priest. It's a real gamble. Sometimes it pays off, but not when you're trying to replace Rob Halford.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, I'm kind of putting blame on on Ripper for the material, which that's probably not fair. But, I mean, if I do have to say something good about Jugulator in particular, the song Cathedral Spires is a great song. Yeah, that. yeah. But uh but yeah, just no, that's that was the one that came to mind and he's my number 5. I put him at the very bottom of the list. So, I mean, uh, but yeah, that's who I so went with for number 5.
1: Not bad. I think that's probably one of the top ones everybody thinks of when you think about replacement singers too. Yeah. All right. So, for me, number 4, I'll we'll talk about Great White. You know, Jack Russell and the rest of the original band, they just can't be together. Kind of like the enough's enough thing. It's not healthy for anybody to be in the same room as each other when you're Jack Russell and Great White. And Great White's had Terry Alouse as a lead singer, and currently they have Mitch Malloy as a lead singer, which, you know, much maligned Mitch Malloy and Great White. A lot of people don't like it. I think even Terry was a little more accepted than what Mitch is. But to me, man, Jack Russell and Great White, I I wish there was a way. I wish there was a way to create a bubble where they could be at the same place at the same time, but not have to breathe the same air. (laughs) It's a shame because to me, Jack Russell is the quintessential voice of that band. It was the perfect combination of a heavy metal borderline hard rock band that also was going to mix in, kind of evolved to mix in a little bit of blues. So you almost got like a, a super heavy blues band and Jack Russell, man, his voice fit all that perfectly. So they together kind of created something new with what they were doing. And to try to replicate that, you know, lightning in a bottle with any other singer, even Mitch Malloy, which he really don't fit, but nobody fits in great white like Jack Russell, and nobody they've gotten since has been able to do it. And you know what, kind of, maybe to a lesser extent, even the same thing with Enough's Enough, where Jack Russell's great white, they put out an album a few years ago, and it was okay, you know, it wasn't bad but the same mm-hmm. thing. Great White's putting out albums with Terry Loose and it wasn't bad. It was okay. But you got to know if there was some way that those two camps could come together, we could have an awesome Great White again, not two okay ones. So number 4 for me, Jack yeah, Russell Great White.
0: Yeah, Great White almost made my list because of those two also and, you know, Mitch Malloy as Cobras and Fire calls him the Great Whites.
1: He's got a beautiful smile.
0: Yeah, he's got a great smile. I'll give him that. But uh, yeah, i not uh, not a fan of the the most of the work that they've done since Jack was in the band. So yeah, I agree. That's a, another situation where a reunion yeah. would be nice. Um, so for my number four, and this is uh, I've been open about my dislike, especially of this album, but also this replacement singer on uh, occasion before on the show, talking about when Jamie Saint James became the singer for war Yuck, and. Uh, This was uh, they put out this Born Again record, which was it two thousand six, and it's just a a horrible album. And I've I've never I I like a handful of Black and Blue songs, but overall I never really saw what was so great about Black and Blue either. And Jamie St James was the main guy in that. And then you know where I can't really blame Ripper for the material he had to perform on, I can blame Jamie St James because he's got several co-writing credits on a lot of the songs on this record and i actually went back uh probably two three months ago and tried to listen to this again just because i as Baco makes fun of me for it i go back and try to see if something's changed and how right, i feel about yeah. a record N- no this is a bad record i don't care for his vocals uh it's just a big and it also it's glaring when uh, Janie lane is not singing and especially writing for yeah. this band they're just not the same. Although I do like the Robert Mason version a lot more.
1: Yeah, I totally even spaced out Jamie St. James because I that album was horrible. It was Warren's just not the same without Janie Lane because Janie Lane was such a huge part of who Warren was. And man, when that came out, I just I had mixed feelings about it. And then I found it in a place that it was discounted and I thought, well, I'll. I guess I'll try it. You know, I owe it to Warrant to at least try it because I've loved that band for so long. But again, like you, I never really got into Black and Blue either, and I think it's because of Jamie St. James' voice. I just can't get down with it. There's something about it that the wavelength just don't hit me right, whether it's Black and Blue or this Warrant album. I, I didn't have high expectations when I listened to it the first time, and they were still let down. <laughs> is pretty bad not not good bad but like you say now i feel like they've actually come around and are doing really good because they've got robert mason as the lead singer who is somebody that Janie lane actually endorsed when he was young which is that's kind of a cool thing and i I don't know it's not jamie st james it's way better now those last couple albums they did with robert mason blow that away that should have been one that we nominated for uh for the the thing we did with Cobras and Fire
0: yeah it could the have made March the list because it's bad I'm the, it only uh it on, uh, thankfully the Jamie St. James experiment only lasted for one album. not
1: good not good <laughs> all right that's your number four so my number three worst lead singer replacement is Turbo Negro. I've talked about this band eh, quite a few times, I guess, over the years. It's a band I discovered, I guess, way after they came out. This was something that I found the CD and didn't really know what it was and listened to it and was blown away by how good it was. And they had a singer, they call it Hank Von Hell. He just put out a solo album like a year or two ago that was really, really good. But Turbo Negro goes on without Hank, and their singer now is known as the Duke of Nothing. I think his name is Tony Sylvester. And man, as much as I like Turbo Negro, the band, the everything about it, I listened to that newer Hank Von Hell album, and I love it, but I tried to listen to the new one that they came out with first with the new lead singer. I just didn't like it. I don't know why I should like it, but I don't. And so I've never really gone back to them after that. But I listen to the classic stuff all the time. But I think that's another one, too, where the lead singer is so much the focal point of the band. But I don't know if that's even a, a fair assessment there either, because that's kind of a band full of unique characters, too. So... I don't know. I guess I'm just going to say it. The new lead singer sucks, and they need the old one back.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, calling yourself the Duke of nothing is about the least exciting stage yeah, I've ever should heard. should be the
1: Duke of something. Something. Yeah. But nothing.
0: That'll be his yeah. replacement.
1: <laughs> I'm the Duke of something. They're like, you're hired. <laughs> it's a step up.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that that's interesting pick. I need to listen to more of their stuff. I'm I've, the, now I did listen to both new records from both artists. You mentioned, I did like the turbo yeah. Negro one, but I, the Hank Von Hell album was, that's going to be like a modern day classic. I, I mean, from that, I listened to the shit out of that record that year. Yeah. Was that was amazing. one of my
1: top albums of the year that year, either number one or number two. I think it was really good. I hope he comes out with more.
0: Yeah. So, uh, we're getting into my, my, my top three worst and, uh, <laughs> I felt very strongly about all three of these. So um, the first one, and we'll touch on this band later, I'm sure, too. I'm going to talk about Van Halen. And the one that most people are probably thinking is Sammy replacing Dave. Not for me. What tops that is Gary Sharone replacing Sammy.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that.
0: Have you listened to the Van Halen 3 record? With I have, Gary Cherone? and it's
1: not very good
0: it's an absolute pile of horse shit. it's one of the worst records i've ever heard in my life somebody did a funny uh this guy called todd in the shadows on youtube does these things called train records and like albums that are train wrecks and he kind of he perfectly sums up how it is but oh my god this is a and this is just a terrible choice in general i mean gary Sharon is great and extreme for what he is he's a talented yeah. singer but man, the results from that record of these guys working together are just horrifying. Um, the, the lyrics are bad. Uh, Gary Sharon doesn't sing like he normally does in extreme. He goes way over the top in this record. And uh, the writing is, it's like a bunch of half-baked riffs that never get turned into full songs. And I got to wonder how bad off Eddie was on drugs and alcohol when this album was made because it just sounds incredibly unfocused. And I did see them live, and Gary was, it was cool to have a good set list because Gary was willing to do more or stuff. But aside from that, he was an annoying performer. I mean, he did okay, but just, I, this one came to mind immediately was Gary Sharon because just the wrong fit for Van Halen. And I have my thoughts on Sammy, and we'll get to that later. But, but yeah definitely gary Sharon is on my see top. i don't
1: know i'm gonna probably disagree with you a little bit on this one that maybe you got this one ranked a little high because to me it's kind of a lateral move really i mean you got sammy hagar and you lose him and you pick up gary Sharon. so van halen three really kind of sucks there's maybe two songs that are pretty good on it and that's really it but if i look at the sammy hagar era stuff there's usually an average of two good songs on each one of those albums, too. So to me, I don't think it's that terrible of a move. I think it's kind of a... It's an equal. It's a lateral move. It
0: ain't no better, and it ain't no worse. No, because, I mean, the at least the... I may not... Like, Van Halen... And we're going to get more into this with Sammy later. But the Van Halen with Sammy in the 90s, yeah, they did become housewife rock. Yeah. I mean, that there's no questioning that. But the songs were at least cohesively written and structured like this. What they did with Gary just sounds like demos that got released as a record. Even the production is horrible on it. And it just, but the lyrics are so eight and Sammy's not known as a wordsmith either, but Sammy's lyrics come off like fucking Shakespeare compared to what Gary put out on this record.
1: But kind of the same thing, too. You know, I think the reason why Gary Sharon sounds weird and it's uncomfortable on that album is because of the same way when Sammy took over after Dave, where you could tell that Sammy was kind of pressured to sound like Dave, especially that first album they came out with with him. And I think it's kind of the same thing here, where Gary Sharon is kind of being pressured to not just replace Sammy Hagar, but be the new Sammy Hagar. And of course that's going to be uncomfortable for him, and he ain't going to feel like you know he's brought in and be like, hey, we love what you did in Extreme. We want you to do that here. It probably would have been a lot better because at least he'd have been comfortable instead of, no, You know, maybe you should do it more like this. That's how Sammy would have done it, is how I get the feeling on some of these songs on this mm-hmm. album. And like I said, I can't defend the album. The album does suck. But you know what? If they'd have put out another one after that, maybe there would have been four good songs from this era of the band and you know you put out two more albums after that and then all of a sudden you're equal with Sammy Hagar you got the same amount of good songs
0: I don't know I just but yeah the I don't know this one I have I'm not crazy about most of the Sammy Hagar era but the Gary Sharon era I, I'm not crazy about anything Yeah. so I have to I have to put that higher for me all
1: right. well two song difference in opinion <laughs>
0: More than that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so that's pretty good, I guess. I don't know if I agree with it, but you know what? We each got our own list for a reason. So here's my number two. Worst replacement singer of all time? It's got to be Blaze Bailey, right? I mean, come on. Replacing Bruce Dickinson with him? I mean, at least Ripper Owens, you kind of had the feeling like, all right, here's a guy that not only can he handle the old stuff, but he's going to be good coming forward too and actually does have a handful of decent songs you know, that he was able to help create with Judas Priest in that era of the band. I can't really say the same for Blaze Bailey. I mean, Blaze Bailey doesn't fit in any kind of way. I don't really ever listen to the albums with Blaze Bailey on them. I wasn't excited when it came out and it, when it was new because I thought, geez, who's going to replace Bruce. And it just never, none of it, none of it ever did anything for me. And I was really happy when Bruce Dickinson came back to the band.
0: Yeah. No, I. If you hadn't picked this, I was going. To.
1: Yeah, I think this is one that would be up high on pretty much anybody's list.
0: I'm still baffled that Blaze Bailey is the guy who got this job. Yeah. I because every time I've tried to, li- and I'm not the biggest Bruce Dickinson fan, but I'm like, he, but you have to give props where they where you where they deserve. Bruce Dickinson is an incredible singer. And then you go to blaze Bailey and you, every time I listen, I'm like, this guy can't sing worth a shit. I just, I've, and I've listened to other stuff he's done outside the band. He just, he's not a good singer. And I'm thinking, what were you smoking? Steve Harris? Why yeah. did you decide to hire this guy?
1: Yeah, I'd love It to makes know. no sense at all. I'd love to know what was the, the thinking behind that. Like when you said, you know, cause I got to imagine they, they must've went through like tryouts. I would think, and they probably found some guys, probably some guys from Argentina that could sing just like Bruce Dickinson. You know the guys. You hear them on the YouTube all the time. There had to have been guys out there that sounded just like Bruce. Kind of the same route that Priest went to try to find somebody that could do the classic era songs justice. Blaze Bailey yeah. couldn't do that. I just never understood it. and I, I really would. I'd love to know. What the thinking was behind that, or at least what the process was to whittle it down to Blaze Bailey, or was it just like, "Oh, Bruce is out. Who's that over there in the corner? Who's that? Yeah, him. That's the new lead singer. (laughs) Who? Me? I'm I'm the janitor."
0: (laughs) Well, like you can justify this in certain cases where, like you said, it could be somebody who is kind of a sound alike and they can handle the old material. And sometimes that doesn't work on new material and that's that's fine, but at least they had a, a justification. Blaze Bailey didn't sound good on the old material or the new material, so it's like why did you hire him?
1: <laughs> that's a warning, Steve Harris. If you ever come on the show, we're gonna ask. <laughs> we want to know.
0: Yeah, I don't know, it's just a mystery. But um so yeah, I mean I that one honestly could have competed for number one on either of yeah, our lists, for in my sure opinion, that was it's so
1: I thought a two. I th- it was pretty easy when I thought like number one, number two, right away, no problem. And then the other ones I had to kind of think about a little bit, but one and two came right to me. Blaze Bailey, Iron Maiden, it sucked. Yeah.
0: So my next one is not uh, is uh, this one won't shock anybody, but uh, it came to mind immediately just because how it shows the level of e. The, 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 there's no higher level of ego than the reason that this situation happened. And I'm talking about Ingve Malmsteen becoming his own singer.
1: I wondered about this. I saw your list and I didn't understand. So, you think Ingve Malmsteen is better than any singer he's ever had?
0: No, no. This is my worst. Oh, list. So okay. I'm saying, All right, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Not better. No, I'm saying he he gets to be put on the worst list because Ingve Malmsteen, if you followed his solo career, has had basically a murderer's row. A vocalist yeah. sing for oh, him yeah, through yeah. the years.
1: all the best.
0: Yeah, you've got Jeff Scott Soto on the first three records, and you got Joe Lynn Turner on the Odyssey yeah. record, then you got Mark Bowles, and you got Goran Edmund, and then Michael Vissera, who's been to Rock and and yeah. sang on some stuff. And then he decides... I don't need these guys. I can do this myself. And it's like, and I don't know if you've heard, have you heard Ingve sing? No,
1: this is all new to me. I had no idea Ingve was singing his own, is this something new he just started to do?
0: Oh, no, he's been doing it for few oh, years okay. now. But it's, uh, but I mean, <laughs> he sings okay, but it's like, what the hell, man? I mean, the stories are legendary about him playing live, where he'll get his bass player and his keyboard player and his drummer to be right off in the corner, and then Ingve gets ninety-five percent of the stage. Yeah, and it, it's just it's just the massive amount of ego. Honestly, if he were smart, Jeff Scott Soto would have stayed his singer for the whole ride. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, the first three albums, like trilogy, especially, um, amazing work. And then, like I said, Joe Lynn Turner, Mark Bowles, all these guys are great singers, and he just can't work with anybody because he's so egotistical. And it's just like there's no no higher level of egotism than going, I don't need these amazing singers. I'll just do it myself
1: cuts out the other fraction that I got of the stage that I have to share with anyone. Exactly. That's probably what it came down to. If I if I sing these songs myself, that gives me thirty three point three percent more of the stage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all about square footage for England. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. That one when I thought about that, I was like, yeah, Ingve Malmsteen, he deserves to be on this list.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. It definitely does. <laughs> yeah, I'll have for to sure. check that out. I've never heard Ingve sing before.
0: Yeah, he 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 finally found his soulmate himself.
1: Yeah. He's no Jeff Scott Soto, eh? Got that right. All right, so that brings me to my number one worst replacement singer of all time. And you're wondering when it was going to get brought up because you know it's going to come up one way or another. But to me, number one worst, without question, popped into my brain immediately when we talked about doing this. You know we got to talk about David Lee Roth being replaced by Sammy Hagar. (laughs) Yep, it really happened. Some people actually love it. I can't understand it. David Lee Roth and Van Halen... Those albums are some of the greatest things ever recorded. Almost every single song is amazing. A classic. Something I just never would want to live without. When I was a kid, I found out about Van Halen because my aunt had 1984. And it was amazing. Amazing. And so I'm this little kid. I don't know nothing about Van Halen. So then I start trying to figure out how to hear other Van Halen. And it's like, oh, man, and I love it. But I'm the only one of my young friends that knows about Van Halen. So then MTV comes around, and we're getting a little older. And now it's my time to be old enough to start buying my own albums and my own CDs and cassettes and things. And what do I get? Van Hagar. And all I could ever think was why did they do this you know van halen was like the greatest why would they do this you know why and every time the new video for van halen would come out it would make me so mad because it'd be some sappy poppy cheesy corny song and i would hate it and all i would think was van halen was so much better with david lee roth that was my whole existence Until finally, like, in the 90s, then they came back together for that Greatest Hits album. Baco just sent me that on CD not too long ago. Thank you, Baco. And then got together and reunited and went on tour and came out with their final album together. But it was kind of like Kiss. You know, I grew up in the era where I just dreamt of, you know, them being able to see them in makeup. Just the same way as I dreamt of being able to see Van Halen with a decent lead singer and it didn't happen for many years and I'll always hate Sammy Hagar for that. <laughs> two good songs on every album that they came out with with him. Tops.
0: All right. I wouldn't put it I would definitely wouldn't put it at number 1. I don't know that I would even put that in my top 5. It would be close. Number 1. Not for me. Well, see, and I think a lot of this might be if if it was two separate bands, you probably wouldn't hate on it quite as much, but it's Probably not but when you're you're following the legacy with dave where the th- the main thing that sammy screwed up van halen with is he made they were still a i think they were still a good band obviously because of eddie and and alex but they became kind of like a nut, just another band that would put out good like album-oriented rock now van halen with dave was its absolute unique own animal you know yeah. there was there were, you couldn't compare them to anybody and that was because of all the influences that Dave would bring in going up against what Eddie would bring in, so you it was like this clash of cultures kind of creating that music. Sammy came in, and sammy 's known for doing top forty radio songs, and that 's what they became you know yeah, so I think that 's what caused a lot of the hate in general. Um,
1: I hated it because they took one of the coolest, most rebellious, awesome edgy bands out there and made it wimpy
0: yeah well they became yeah they became a top 40 band essentially that the what what made them unique was kind of gone at that point
1: yeah they were more bon jovi than they were van halen to me at that point
0: in fairness that's what eddie wanted at the time you know he he was into that stuff
1: and also as we talked about last week what the hell were they wearing
0: oh god the the clothes in that era Oof.
1: my dad was a cooler dresser than Sammy Hagar and Eddie Van Halen in that era.
0: Well, even when he joined the band, what they were wearing was ridiculous. It was like the the, the Live Without a Net video where they were all wearing these like multicolored like parachute pants and shit (laughs) it's like what are you guys doing um
1: yeah and then the other side of that is you know while that's all happening david lee roth is putting out kick-ass rock albums that are more van halen than what van halen's doing although
0: dave looked pretty ridiculous too but yeah but true um, but at least he
1: sounded good yeah
0: but no i mean i i i trend towards it being on the worst list than on the best for me but there are songs you know there's certain songs that i really like from that era but
1: there's just a handful of songs I like from the Van Halen, Sammy Hagar era, and it's always the same. It's the songs that remind me of old Van Halen right. that make me think, this song would be really cool if Dave was singing it, or if Dave wrote it, you know? Yeah. It had the guitars and the the music. Musically, it's got the, the vibe of, like, an old Van Halen, but then Sammy Hagar's singing it.
0: Yeah. Fair enough, and I'm sure... We're gonna have some pointed thoughts in the comment section from this episode. Yeah,
1: because it's one of the most divided things ever. Yeah. You know, it's the most divisive thing in rock and roll. You know, it's right up there. Well, I'd say it's up there beyond. You know, classic Kiss versus what we got today. You know, it's the most divisive thing in rock and roll. Are you are you a Sammy guy? Or are you like David Lee Roth? You know, and then you kind of look at the guy and go, "Oh, Sammy Hagar is good. Whatever, get the fuck out of here." <laughs> <laughs> come on man that's not cool you heard me (laughs) all right so that's easily my number one van hagar how about your number one
0: so my number one this one uh this came to mind immediately because there's no you mentioned you know replacing somebody who died and this is the worst replacement for someone who died that is an absolute legend And this person is kind of irreplaceable, although the guy they got doing it now is pretty good. I'm talking about Paul Rogers replacing Freddie Mercury in Queen.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. You know, Paul Rogers is one of those guys that no matter what band he's in, it kind of becomes Paul Rogers, you know, and so when... I checked that out because I'm a fan of Paul Rogers. I like his stuff with Free. I like his stuff with Bad Company. And I like a lot of his solo stuff too. So I wanted to check that out. And there are some really good songs on there. If you're listening to it as this is Paul Rogers and the rest of the guys from Queen, it, to me, it's for one, Paul Rogers is nothing like Freddie Mercury vocally, you know, and stylistically. But then again, who is you know? There is, there was only one Freddie Mercury, without a doubt, irreplaceable, without question, and as cool as that album kind of was, I think there was what two albums, maybe
0: I think that they, Paul Rogers did, maybe a live one, but the the Cosmos Rocks from two thousand eight was the only one yeah. I think that they did as a studio record. Okay, um,
1: that's that's the one I'm definitely familiar with, and there's a handful of good songs on there, but it's not really. They shouldn't have called it Queen.
0: (laughs) No. Well, they, I mean, technically, and I'm going to, I'll probably get some people pissed at me for this because it is called Queen and Paul Rogers, but it's listed in the Queen discography. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. This album, I think this album's horrible. I don't, I haven't listened to it in years, but I remember going through it the first time going, nah, this isn't, this doesn't work. And not that they had to get a sound alike or anything for Freddie, but just, it's one of those, just like, let, just let the band die. Um, you know, they got Adam Lambert now, and Adam does a great job. I mean, they did a, a pretty cool documentary on on working with him, and I can respect what they do with him because um, he kind of fits along that same thing, and they're paying tribute to Freddie throughout. But this, yeah. co- this Cosmos Rocks album, and just Paul Rogers is just not the right fit for this material. I just i the wrong the wrong kind of singer for for that stuff and especially and i don't think he handled the old material that great either he's just the two very different vocalists yeah and uh yeah this was the this was my number one immediately when it came to mind so yeah that wow. was an easy pick for me
1: okay not bad so there you have it you each got our top five worst replacement singers of all time in our opinions. But we also want to concentrate on the positive, too, so we're going to talk about the best. And like I said at the beginning of this, it's a lot easier to find fails in this experiment than there are to find successes. So the whole list of bands that I had that I thought, you know, you just can't touch the original singer, in my list, I've only got four outside of my top five that I thought were worth mention that just didn't quite make the list. So the first one on my also mentions list would be Tim Scold taking over for Zinny Zan in Shotgun Messiah. Mm-hmm. I think that was a good move. That turned out great. Yeah. Another one I got on there, I just got this on there for the hell of it I'm not familiar with anything they did before. But, I mean, Rob Helford replacing Al Atkins.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah.
1: I don't know anything <laughs> about Al Atkins, but I can only assume it was a great improvement when Rob Helford joined Priest.
0: Well, he, he did write Victim of Changes. That's true,
1: but, you know, you know. I know. (laughs) All right, and then I got, uh, you said, you know, you mentioned Kiss earlier, but, you know, vocally, I'm going to say Ace Fraley over Tommy Thayer.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right.
1: You can't replace the original there.
0: Yeah, bit of a reach there, but I got you.
1: (laughs) That should have been on the other list, but I just thought that was worth a mention. And then uh, my final one, Outside of my top five is Stevie Rochelle taking over for Jim Gillette in Tough. Jim Gillette, crazy singer, you know, did that stuff with Nitro. I think he was a good fit for that. But for what Tough was doing, just being a straightforward rock band, I think Stevie Rochelle was there. You know, maybe it all wasn't right time, right place. But nonetheless, they put out some great music.
0: Yeah, I I don't know enough of the Gillette material to even have an opinion on that one. But I'll I'll take your word for it.
1: I don't think there's a whole lot. Yeah.
0: the uh, I mean, I pretty much mentioned everyone that almost made my best list. Uh, Brian Howell, Bad Company, uh, Graham Bonnet, JoLynn Turner and Rainbow, Todd LaTorre and Queensryche. The only other one that I didn't mention <clears throat> before was um, Steve Algieri, um replacing Steve Perry in Journey. I thought he was very good for the time. And they, they even did some really good original material together. Now, his voice got shot. And that's why he's gone now. But and of course, Arnell Pineda is is great doing that job now. But uh, but Steve O'Jerry coming off, you know, to to come off Steve Perry and, and replace him—that's a tall order. And they did do it successfully at the time.
1: Yeah, I guess so. That'd be one I'd have to put on the you just can't top the original list.
0: No, nah, but they had some radio hits with him, so I mean it yeah. was, and the, and they they went right back to great live business. So uh, I'll give them credit for that.
1: Here's a pretty deep one that I just kind of thought of now, and most won't get this, but some will. There was a band called Asphalt Ballet, and they came out with an album that was really good with their original lead singer, and then for whatever reason, he was out of the band, and they got a different singer, and it completely changed the band, but both albums are really good, but in different ways.
0: Hmm. Yeah, so that was one that's
1: just kind of a lateral move because they were both good. All right. Are you ready to get into the best? I'll go first this time. Okay. All right, for me, my number five on the best replacement singers list is Ian Gillen taking over for Rod Evans in Deep Purple. Talk about Mark One to Mark Two. The stuff with Rod Evans, I think there's only two, maybe three albums. Eh, they're not really great. You know, kind of psychedelic old hippie rock it's not like the deep purple you would think of as time would go on you know smoke on the water and stuff like that you know maybe I'm a leo so many great songs with ian gillen mm-hmm. and rod evans stuff just can't touch it so yeah definitely an improvement when ian gillen joins deep purple number five
0: they certainly went went a lot further places with him than they did with rod evans i mean I think uh, I do like the song "Hush" with him. I think that's a great yeah. song. Yeah, it's uh, a good song. But yeah, you know, well, we know my thoughts on Ian Gillen. I'm not a big fan, but but you can't deny the success they had with him, of course. Right. So good choice for number five. So my number five this this will probably make a few people laugh and might make some people angry, but I have a specific love for the Accept album "Eat the Heat" from the '80s. So. I'm gonna go with David Reese replacing Udo.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, so you're one of those people that's mad? at I don't
1: me. even know what to say. I'm <laughs> outraged, maybe. I don't know. That's to me, that's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was definitely them trying to fit in with the times, yeah. trying to keep up with the Joneses, and you know, they. It's funny because like that Russian Roulette album they had with Udo that was right you know, in '86. You know, was kind of. Like their old sound, and it's a good record it's too. A great record. And I like a lot. I like a lot of their stuff, but they wanted to do something that was more commercial, so they they get David Reese in and they put this album. But I love a ton of the material on this album. I mean, there's there's a lot of great songs on here. The the one of uh, obviously the the obvious choice is Generation Clash, which is a fucking great song. Um, I mean, but it's, Chain it's Reaction, not a, it's
1: not a bad album, but it's not a good Accept album. <laughs>
0: I hear that, but I'm viewing it more on its own merit. But, uh, cause I just, I love the sound of it. I love the production of it. I love the playing on it. I love the songwriting on it. And, you know, Christopher Williams, our friend that plays drums in Except Now, always laughs at me when I tell him how much I love this yeah. record. And I'm like, you guys need to play some stuff all that. He's like, that will never happen. I can guarantee you that. I'm
1: sure most people laugh when they hear you saying these things. Yeah. Now, I would have been more about it if you would have said, you know, uh, mark tornillo Tornillo. over udo now that one but i like him that one i could see as being more of an argument because i really love the stuff that the modern day accept is doing and so with that i'd say you know between mark and udo would be a lot closer for me than udo and david reese
0: well i like mark too and i like all that stuff but this the Eat the Heat album just is, it holds a special place for me. I just love this record. Yeah. And, uh, you're crazy. And I love I love and I think that, but David Reese does a great job singing on it. I mean he's he's a great singer and he's done you know stuff in the last few years that's really great too. So he's still around doing it. But uh yeah, that that's my number five and I I await the hate that I'm going to get for that.
1: <laughs> As rightfully you will. All right. All right. So let's do my number four. This one's a classic. This one might be a little divisive too, because I know you might not even agree with me on this one. But for me, number four Bruce Dickinson taking over for Paul Deano and making Iron Maiden what most people know and love.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, nothing against those first two albums. I love them, I really do. But when I got that in my iPod, I keep that separate from Iron Maiden and Iron Maiden is Bruce Dickinson. And that's it. No blaze Bailey, no Paul Diano, but at least Paul Diano gets his own spot. Blaze Bailey doesn't even get a spot in the iPod.
0: Yeah, but I just, those first two Iron Maiden records are my favorite Iron Maiden records. So, and I, I just love what they were doing with Paul Diano. but I, I, there's plenty of stuff that they've done with Bruce that I like too. But, uh, no, for me, I'll take Deano over Bruce.
1: Mm, Wow. Yeah, I don't know about that. For me, number four, Bruce Dickinson over Paul Deano.
0: All right. So my number four, uh, this one came to mind immediately. And, of course, this is another one where the band definitely did not benefit from making this vocal change. But I think anyone who listens to this show knows how we feel about this. I got to go with John Karabi replacing Vince Neal.
1: See, that's a tough one, man. I fought with that one in my mind, you know, and it's like, you know, I love the Motley Crew 94 album, I really do. But to me, Motley Crew is the classic crew with Vince Neil. To me, that Motley Crew 94, that's something totally different, totally separate. And in my own perfect alternate reality, Maybe John Karabi never joins Motley Crue. Maybe he sticks it out with the scream, and the scream becomes just as big as Guns N' Roses, and we get a lot more albums out of John Karabi in that era. But that's not the way things worked out. When somebody says, hey, you want to join one of the hottest bands in the world right now, you don't say no, you go for it. And what John Karabi was able to do with Motley Crue was outstanding. You know, that that 94 album, and like Chris just said, you know, you guys probably know how we feel about it. But if you don't, you know, and you are not familiar with Motley Crue's self-titled album from 1994 when John Karabi replaced Vince Neal, man, you really owe it to yourself to give that one a listen, really give it a chance because it is amazing. Now, is John Karabi the lead singer I think of when I think of Motley Crue? <laughs> no. no. probably. No, I, I will always be all about Shout at the Devil, all about that first album, all about that that era of Motley Crue, that's that's true to me.
0: Well, I, I agree with that, but I'm just picking favorite replacement singers, and I'm sorry, but Karabi did my favorite Motley Crue record, and I think it's one of the best albums. You know, it's it's one of my favorite albums of all time, so I, yeah. I had to put it in there. So, yeah, he's definitely making my top five just because of how amazing that record is.
1: I can argue it, but I can also agree with it, so I'm going to go ahead and agree with it. All right. All right, so then for the best for me, number three, I'm going to go with Faith No More, Mike Patton replacing Chuck Mosley.
0: Gotcha. well, yeah.
1: That first album, I think one or two albums, they come out with one or two, I don't remember, but there's like one or two good songs, you know? Chuck Mosley had the song Introduce Yourself, which is pretty damn awesome, But not a whole lot else, you know? As the Worm Turns, I think, might have been another good song that was out of that era. But it was not until Mike Patton joined the band that I ever heard of Faith No More when I saw... When the video came on for Epic for the first time, and I was like, wow, this is cool, it's heavy, but it's weird, and it's different, and and then I heard the song off the Bill & Ted soundtrack, I was like, that's killer, and then I was all in on Faith No More, man, I love Mike Patton as a vocalist, I think he's one of the best out there, and then I had gone back to check out some of the other stuff that came out before, and it's like, man... This stuff kind of sucks, you know. I'm glad that they found this guy and were able to create together what they were doing with him and it worked for a long time. You know, him and that uh Big Jim, Jim Martin. Yeah, Big Jim Martin, the guitar player. I loved it when they were all in that band together because he kept it heavy and then it's like the rest of the band kept it experimental and somewhere in the middle they came out with this really cool thing you know and so i would definitely say on the top five best replacement singers you got to put mike patton on there
0: yeah that the stuff with chuck mosley is odd compared to what they became i mean it's it it definitely they became a different band when mike joined the band so i mean yeah and i and yeah if you're looking for recommendations for me at least um If you want to get into Faith No More, listen to the Angel Dust record. That's an amazing record. Oh,
1: it's killer. I love it. Yeah,
0: love that one. Okay, so it's my number three now. Um, All right, this one came to mind pretty quickly. Um, And here's another one where, kind of like with Van Halen, you have two very different eras of this band, and there was success on both sides of it, um, but the, the replacement singer had by far the most success with his first album with this band, and I'm talking about when John Bush replaced Joey Belladonna in Anthrax.
1: Mm, that's a good one. That's one I definitely fought over in my mind too, because I I just love both versions too much. I kind of see them as equals, but different. You know, there mm. were there's stuff that Joey Belladonna Anthrax did that I would never want to live without. Songs that if I heard it every day, I'd probably never get sick of it. But man, when when Sound of White Noise came out. I was completely blown away by that album, you know, and at the time I didn't miss Joey Belladonna at all. I was really excited about what they were doing with John Bush. And so over time, though, you know, it comes back around, you know, it's the John Bush era kind of peters out Mm -hmm. and Joey Belladonna ends up coming back. And it's all good to me, man. I love all eras of Anthrax. You could almost have Joey Belladonna over Neil Turbin on this list. For best replacements i think
0: oh yeah because i yeah i'm not a the fistful of metal album i mean it has some great riffing on it but i can't stand neil Turbin's vocals on that record i just no. I never have liked it um but yeah with john bush though i mean they became and one thing is like i i got it i mean i'm the man is how i got into anthrax it was a yeah, goofy, yeah. goofy fucking novelty song you know and then you know they're doing the stuff with public enemy and it was cool and all but they kind of came off like a kind of like a novelty act you know yeah. with some of this stuff like they were kind of goofy they had they were wearing fucking teenage mutant ninja turtle shorts on stage and like they they didn't take themselves seriously but i and i like that about them because they were like the one they were like the one band in the the big 4 that didn't seem overly serious and i like that they had fun with it but then on the same token when john bush comes in they become a more serious band and you kind of got to see what the potential would be by them taking it seriously, and Sound of White Noise, one of the best albums of the '90s, in my opinion. Yes, and oh, definitely. It's just loaded with great material, and Dave Jordan deserves, you know, tip of the hat for his production work on that record. Yeah. But uh, so you've got that album. And then you know, it's 442 was a bit of a letdown. But to me, I love a lot of that Bush era stuff. Like um, I love the Volume Eight album. It yes, it yeah. does sound like it's poorly produced, but the material on that and the riffs on that album are amazing. And then, um, obviously, volume you know so volume eight, and then we've come for you all. That's an amazing record. Um, but yeah, I think that I'll go pound for pound with material that they did with John Bush that I think is as every bit as good as the Joey stuff. And you know, we did that long episode with our friend Victor Ruiz about their discography, and that was so fun. But get- Anthrax, I think, it's unfairly lumped kind of at the bottom of the big four list, and I think they're a way more interesting band than a lot of the other ones are.
1: I'll agree with that definitely. You know,
0: but yeah, and John and of course John, you know, John Bush's role in Anthrax led me to discover Armored Saint right. and get into all their stuff, which is amazing as well.
1: Yes, that's a very underrated band. Yep. All right, that's a good number three. That brings us up to number two. This was one that I thought of like pretty much immediately when we put this together. And it fell down to number two as I put more thought into the list. But this one just seemed so easy to me. Number two. On best replacement singer list is Phil Anselmo taking Pantera to a whole new level after taking over lead vocals from Terry Glaze. But again, you know, two very different bands. You know, Phil Anselmo transforms that band. Before then, I mean, they're kind of a cheesy, kind of 80s, you know second level kind of a band and they weren't never gonna go nowhere like that and Terry Glaze is good at what he does you know he had that Lord Tracy album that he was the lead singer on and when they're doing that kinda rock he fits it pretty well you know which is okay because they were all right but when Phil Anselmo joins the band it totally changes everything about it and they become something new that is heavy It's almost thrash. It's shredding. It's got flavors of hard rock to it, you know, a little bit of, you know, like Dimebag's Huge Ace Fraley fan. You hear little things like that in there that's got that throwback to that kind of rock. But Phil Anselmo's vocals make it something hardcore, and it's thrashy, and it's awesome, and it makes them so unique where with Terry Glaze, they were, you know, one out of a million, you know, of the same. But with Phil Anselmo, they become something new and unique and amazing and unstoppable. So yeah, number two easily, Phil Anselmo taking over for Terry Glaze and Pantera.
0: Yeah, if you hadn't picked it, I was going to. Yeah. Because um, yeah, to go from Glam Terra to Pantera, it's uh, they yeah they yeah definitely changed the band and yeah amazing. Um, it's okay, so that's that's your number two. Number two. So my number two, this is, this one was an obvious choice, and I figure somebody's gonna bring it up in the comments anyway. Um, Got to go with Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio replacing Ozzy.
1: Hmm. I don't. I'm not level. saying
0: he's be- not saying he's better so much. I'm just saying it. You, I mean, you couldn't find a better fit for Black Sabbath going off of Ozzy than Ronnie James Dio. I mean, he's like I can't think of anyone else that would have done that job better. And then you know he comes in. They do after years of, and uh, even though I love Technical Ecstasy, you got to admit, Sabbath was way unfocused on the last few records. And we're kind of lost in a drug haze. You know, Ronnie James Dio comes in, then they put out Heaven and Hell, which is an absolute heavy metal masterpiece. Yes. And he gets them back on track, gets them focused again, and one of the best albums they ever did. And, uh, you know, and then they follow that up with Mob Rules. I mean, they were. You know, if they didn't have the personality conflicts, can you imagine what Sabbath would have done if he had stayed in the band through the 80s?
1: Yeah, it would have been some awesome stuff. You know, me, I'm always the Ozzy guy when it comes to Sabbath. I'm always going to choose Ozzy era over just about anything else. You know, there ain't too many Black Sabbath songs with Ozzy on vocals that I don't like. But there is no denying that if anybody's going to replace Ozzy in that time frame there truly would have been nobody better than Ronnie James Dio, because not only does Ronnie James Dio come in and fill the void lost by Ozzy, but he comes in and transforms that band. You know, we talk about people wanting to say, oh, I want to take credit for taking this band and bringing them back to being, you know, better than ever, you know, and this and that, and that's that's a dime a dozen. You know, people say that dumb shit all the time, but Ronnie James Dio really did. You know, not only did he keep Sabbath relevant, He really brought them to a whole new level, you know, and even Mm -hmm. though I'm always going to be the biggest fan of the Ozzy era original Sabbath, there's just no denying what Dio came in and did with that band, and those two albums, like you said, masterpieces, not a bad song on either one of them. I love them both, you know, I got them, I would never want to have, you know, a life without those albums. Even though I'm always an Ozzy guy, I can't disagree with that. I don't know if Dio's better than Ozzy, but at the time, he was definitely better for Sabbath than where Ozzy was. Right, so, yeah, hats off to Dio.
0: Awesome job. All right. So, that's my number two. So, we're down to number one.
1: All right. So, after a lot of thought and a lot of deliberation on this one, you know, and I'd already mentioned Deep Purple from my number five pick of the best lead singer replacements, and that's Ian Gillen over Rod Evans. However, you know, I'm a lot more of a fan of Ian Gillen than you are, Chris, and I know that it's true that Ian Gillen is awesome because to replace Ian Gillen, you can't just do it with one singer. You got to do it with two. So for me, my number one pick of best replacement singer of all time in hard rock and metal, it's two guys. It's when David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes joined Deep Purple to take over for Ian Gillen. As awesome as yep. those guys are, it took two of
0: them to do it. Yeah, that's my favorite version of the band for sure. But
1: man, yeah, the stuff they did after in that era, and that's so unsung. Because like you said, you know, people think you know Deep Purple, oh, Space Truck, and oh, Smoke on the Water. But man, that, them couple of, there was what, three albums, two, three albums in the 70s that they did were just outstanding. Stormbreaker, yeah. Come Taste the Band so good you know if you don't know these albums you got to you gotta check them out i mean think about it you know you got glenn hughes that has done so much with so many awesome bands over the years you got david coverdale who's made a name for himself obviously with white snake over the years you take the band that's deep purple that makes them one of the greatest bands of all time you throw all these things together how can it be bad? It's not. It's amazing. And it's some of my favorite stuff to listen to, that era of Deep Purple, man. I love it. So for me, number one, David Coverdale and Glenn Hughes taking over lead vocals after Ian Gillen leaves Deep Purple. Mm, love it.
0: I I can't argue with that one at all. That was on my short list also. And, uh, you know, and well, let's take a moment to recognize that uh, with all the Deep Purple and Rainbow mentions that Richie Blackmore had a real eye for talent for singers, didn't he?
1: Yeah, you sure did. You know, yeah, you talk about all the different ones over the years for Deep Purple, and then like you say, Rainbow too. You know, there's a long lineage of great singers in that band, and then you think about like the Sabbath connections and all that, and all the different singers that Tony Iommi was able to use over the years that were really good. You know, some more you know well known and famous than others, and then you know you got Tony Martin who was just as good as anybody else we're talking about here today, and he should probably
0: have some sort of mention on this list, too. Yeah, I liked his stuff, too, with them. And and also, let's make note that, uh, you know, Richie Blackmore is Ingve's idol, and Richie Blackmore never decided to sing on his own. <laughs> Egotistical assholes. Uh-huh. All right, so we're down to my number one. All right. This was an obvious this is the obvious choice and I'm certainly not saying that this person is better than who they replaced, but
1: that's the first thing I thought when I saw this on your list. I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, no way.
0: No, because if I'm pre- if I'm going on my preference, the first singer is my preference for what I usually go to. But you can't deny the amount of success and of course the first album is one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Uh, you got to, you have to mention Brian Johnson replacing Bon Scott. I mean, because it's one of the greatest replacement singer success stories that's ever been had. Probably
1: the number one success story. Because think about that, Bon Scott is freaking awesome. Maybe the greatest frontman, lead vocalist of all time. People love this guy. You know, the stuff that he was doing, ACDC was climbing. You know, they were, their popularity was growing and growing and growing. And right when they were about to just explode, he's dead. Yeah. It's over. You know, it would have been easy for ACDC to go, well, you know, we got to stop. Who are we going to ever find to replace a singer and a front man like Bon Scott? It's impossible, but they did it. You know, not only did they find the guy, the right guy, they didn't go through 10 different singers over the years. They found the guy right off the bat. And then the rest of the credits got to go to Brian Johnson himself because, yeah, ACDC found him. But he's the one that's gotta make it happen. He's the one that's almost gotta he's gotta overcome insurmountable odds because he's gotta know in his heart. We talked about this with other people on this list. I'm never going to be Bon Scott. All I can be is the best Brian Johnson, the best lead singer of ACDC that I can be. And he did it, you know. There's a lot of similarities between him and Bon Scott, and there's a lot of differences too. But nobody on this list has ever taken over a band, lead singer, that the lead singer before them was so popular to be able to come in and step right in and then have the band's greatest album ever. Yeah. You know, their biggest success, I should say. You know, like I said, ACDC was climbing there anyway. And I got to believe if Bon Scott had lived, Back in Black would have still been just as huge as it was. But they could have came out and bombed too. They could have came yeah. out and got brought in a different singer that wasn't Brian Johnson, that didn't work on the level that he did, and Back in Black could have bombed instead of becoming the number one album of that year of that era, you know? Yeah. And making AC/DC a household
0: name. And that album, I mean it's not even my go to A C D C album like Power Age is, but I mean, but you can't deny how amazing it is. It's like all the all the planets aligning for one record, like the the songwriting, the production, the playing, and Brian's vocals. And the Brian did a lot of lyrical contribution to that record too. So they had, and then of course you've got mutt Lang producing it. So you've got like the ultimate dream team putting that record together out. But like I have to imagine that they must have been like, what is what are people going to think of this? Because Bon Scott was the like he was the big personality in that band, and then he's dead. Yeah. So, I got to think ACDC fans are probably like, this is going to suck. There's no way it's going to be any good.
1: Can you imagine what Brian Johnson's thinking? I mean, here you got this opportunity, this once in a lifetime opportunity. It's so amazing. On the other hand, he's got to be terrified, well, yeah. you know, of not knowing how this is going to turn out. I mean, you're in the studio, you're thinking, I mean, it sounds really good. Everything sounds great. You know, these are good songs. I think I did my best, you know, and I think it's good. But deep down, you got to be kind of terrified going, if this fails, you know, it's over. You know, they're going to dump me like yesterday's garbage if this fails. And they're going to go a different route because this is really, truly an experiment that's never been done before on that level, you know, where they were on the climb and they were coming up and then they hit it and it was with brian johnson a new lead singer there's nobody on this list that we've talked about today at all that has come in and replaced somebody with the success that brian johnson brought to acdc not even close
0: no yeah not even close it's a it's, that's an insurmountable odd right there but yeah. yeah that i that one when i thought of that i was like well you know how do you top that i mean the success speaks for itself so I'd yeah. be interested to say I'm interested to hear what our listeners think of our list and what their list would be because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of varying opinions on on these.
1: And there always is because there's like I said everybody's got different flavors, different styles and and how they feel and how things strike them and different voices hit different people in different ways just like different music does. And so everybody's going to have their own opinions on this which is great because that's what the Facebook page is for. So when this post goes up we want to hear your comments. I got to hear all kinds of people telling me in the Decibel Geek community about how they felt when all their favorite rock rockers cutting their hair in the 90s. Well, this week, I want to know who you guys think are the greatest, best replacement singers in hard rock history. You got our top five and top worst. We want to know yours, too.
0: Yeah, a lot of fun to record this one. And uh, yeah, we look forward to hearing your feedback on it, guys.
1: All right. Awesome. This was a lot of fun. Let us know what you think. Keep up with us on the Facebook. We got a page. Give us a like. If you feel like it, because you know we love it we can use those reviews you can give us a facebook recommendation hit us up on the pod chaser or right here on apple music give us a review check out our friends at pantheon podcasts check us out friday night when we do friday night live and uh yeah and pods coming people get ready
0: a lot of fun i guess we'll see you guys next week see ya Visit successinohio.com today. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton
1: are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike?